welcome to the Beyond Jiu Jitsu podcast. This is episode number 123. One, two, three. One, two, three. Count with me. And we are going over our, this is our second episode in the position series. So a new thing that we've got going on for a little while here on the Beyond Jiu Jitsu podcast, the positional series, position series. Last episode on 122, in the first installment, we spoke about back control, back mount. And today we are going over just regular old mount, vanilla mount. Yeah, the old vanilla mount. Yeah. Uh, yes, if you're new here, guys, I'm Adam Childs, owner of Vantage Jiu-Jitsu with my boy Kieran Lefebvre. Not an owner. Not, <laughs> Not the owner. Well, I mean, yeah. I was like, you can have, here, here have some equity. Just, there you just go. have it. Just have it. Thank you. Um, yeah. yeah, so if you're new here, that is us. Mm. Kieran is, despite what the artwork says, he's a blue belt. But we uh, got more messages. They're, they're coming in. People, people are still remembering. <laughs> people have not forgotten about the the whole artwork saga of like a hundred episodes ago, yeah. whatever, whatever this became a thing. But yeah, people remember. Yeah, they remember. And like I said, we'll change it to blue once you get your purple. Yeah, that, that's fair. <laughs> that's fair. So in another ten years. Yeah. So with the position series, uh, if you didn't catch the last one, basically the way it goes is we do a little intro, then we're going to talk about the concepts of the position of the topic of the day. Today's mount, and then we're going to talk about attacking, defending, resources, and then some final closing thoughts to tie everything in a nice little neat bow. Yeah. Ah, oh, yeah. Nice little neat bow. All right, yeah. intro, mount. Uh, so it's funny, right? Like we did back control last episode, which were, you know, people say is arguably the best position mm. in, in jiu-jitsu. Uh, but some people prefer mount, you know, they're in terms of their hierarchy <clears throat> or at least in IBJJF competitions, they both award you the same amount of points. Right. So, uh, you know, there's, yeah, hierarchy-wise, I guess they're on par. Yeah, arguably backs better, but if you speak to, you know, for example, Hodger Gracie was recently on the Lex Friedman podcast. So if, if anyone hasn't listened to that, it's a really good episode, mm-hmm. you know. And if you don't know who Hodger is, it's weird that you're listening to this podcast. <laughs> but anyway, Hodger is – undoubtedly the the greatest of all time really like the dude came out of retirement and made current uh 12-time world champion Bushesha look like a white belt like the dude's so so good but uh anyway he's known for his mount and yeah so he would he would take mount position over back control but then obviously someone like I don't know Marcelo Garcia is would prefer back control or you know look at someone more more recent like um Giancarlo Bordini you know pretty much ran through the competition at ADCC 2022 with taking the back and mm. submitting with rear naked chokes. Uh, yeah. So, but yeah, I, I guess it's preference. Probably if you took a survey, I reckon majority of people would say back control is better. But if you say you prefer mount over back, like that's not an invalid statement. It's still an incredibly superior position that offers up so many submission opportunities. Which do you prefer? Um. <laughs> Um, yeah, good question. I think, I think if it's, I think if I'm in the gi, I'm happy either way. I don't really have a preference. If it's no gi, then I definitely prefer to be on the back. I just find the, the submission opportunities from mount in no gi more difficult. 
you know, like, yeah, definitely. I mean, I guess, or maybe I should say I'm more specialized for lack of a better term in my submissions from Mount that use like lapels and collars and stuff, yep. you know, so. Uh, lapel I, Ezekiel, for example. Yeah. So I really like the Mount position in the gi. I like it no gi as well, but um, yeah. So in the gi, I'll take either. I, I don't think I'm really uh, partial to either one. Cause I really like, you know, certain collar chokes and stuff as well that I do from the back. Yeah. Uh, however, no gi. Yeah, I think I'd definitely prefer to take the back. Mm. In saying that, you know, mount, I, you know, I really like, since Blue Belt, I've always liked throwing up mounted triangles and then really comfortable if I unfortunately can't finish it from mount and get bridged and rolled and end up back playing guard, but them in a triangle or whatever. So, I, you know, I still like mount in Nogi as well. But, um, yeah, uh, yeah, I think that would be my answer. What about you? 100% without a doubt, I much prefer back. I don't really like yeah, Mount's dog shit, bro. Yeah, I don't no. really like Mount. I'm not gonna lie. I think that my in in my evolution of my game as it stands, um, I I think it was actually put better by one of my training partners. I can't recall who it was, but it's like, oh yeah, your finish rate from the back is like on me is like over ninety percent. But in any other position, you know, there's there's a fighting chance. I I finish way more consistently, way more regularly with. Um, back control and it resonates with me. That's both gi and no gi. I have a hard time finishing from mount. I think when I get someone in mount, my goal is to get them to turn so I can take their back. Yeah, yeah, which is not a incorrect strategy. You can definitely do that. I think I just need some more. I need I need more weapons, more consistent weapons in my arsenal to to take advantage of the position of mount. Or you need like a, a podcast episode exactly. or something like you know, that goes over mount as in a, as a position in its entirety. Exactly. We should hang on. Let's um going going from concepts stop, to attacking defending resources. Yeah, let's let's stop this episode. <laughs> let's go find an episode that talks about that and uh, come back. Yeah. Um yeah. So it's funny, this is at the time of recording this, it's uh just even on the concepts part. <clears throat> it's quite interesting because there is a Kieran just drew on his t-shirt. <laughs> did you see that? Yeah. Oh my God. Okay. The, the old, like where you accidentally draw on your t-shirt and you're like, Oh damn it. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah, I like this shirt. Yeah. yeah. I do like this shirt. <laughs> um, yeah. It's quite interesting talking about the concepts of Mount at, at the moment of recording this because the, we're currently in a evolution transition stage of the mount position in my opinion and let me explain what i mean a little bit more so things in jiu-jitsu techniques kind of come in and out of fashion and when they come back in fashion it's a you know uh arguably more advanced or more technical iteration but let me give you an example so let's say go back to the 90s or early 2000s it was all just kind of open open guard was Delaheva. Like mm-hmm. that's all, that's all there was. And, you know, then it was closed guard or half guard. And that was, I don't want to say that was it, but to keep things simple, that, that was it. Right. And you know, that they're the positions that people played. Uh, and then, you know, and people would not even stand up to open closed guard. It was all passing on your knees and, you know, popping open the the closed guard and then getting to half guard and whatever. And then, but then people started passing standing up. And then once people started passing standing up, people started boloing, blah, 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 blah. And now all of a sudden, if you look where we are now, 
people are back to, um, if we look at no gi, but also gi, like people are back to passing on their knees and body locks and everything to avoid leg, in, leg entanglements. And that same concept can be put to, to gi, you know, and I think when bolos were a big thing, which I guess they still are in the gi, you know, Bernardo, Bernardo Fadio was like, who is someone who was always passed on his knees, known for his um, deep half guard and his over under passes. He said, he was like, man, if, if you're on your knees, you can't get boloed. Like it was pretty much what he would say. So now if you pass on your knees, pass through half guard, body lock, you know, stack passes, over under passes, all that sort of stuff, shuts down leg entanglements, shuts down uh, bolos. So, you know, techniques are coming in and in and out of fashion. Like this, uh, you know, so a lot of these half guard passes that we're seeing, whatever Gordon Ryan do now, some of them are completely new that he's come up with or he, you know, him and John have troubleshot. Like and floating style. <clears throat> well, yeah, that's a little, a little different, but like, I mean, just in terms of, you know, if you look at a lot of what Gordon does at the moment, it's just kind of dominant, predominantly getting past that top knee shield, getting chest to chest head control and then passing from there. Mm-hmm. Like that as a concept is not new at all, right? Mm-hmm. Like that was what people were doing in the, in the nineties, you know, that was, that was how you pass guard, get, get a cross facing half guard and whatever, obviously, but he's doing it at a more evolved, uh, you know, iteration of that. This is a long winded way of me saying that Mount is sort of a similar thing. So if you would ask me a concept about Mount a year ago or two years ago, I would have, and I still do believe in this, and you would have heard me teach this in the gym, I would have just said, man, you straight up the entire time you're on mount, you want to be smothering them, Mm -hmm. right? Like even if you're not looking for a submission, and this concept still has some truth, but you're going to see what I mean by talking about the transition kind of, you know, some techniques become irrelevant because of other techniques people have started to favor. So- I, there's still some validity. Validity. <laughs> Thanks, Karen. <laughs> In just smothering them, and so, and I teach this often, uh, or have done, where you know you'll just be controlling their head and kind mm. of pulling their mouth into the um, the collarbone pocket, like the over the ridge of your collarbone, but where your carotid artery is, right? So you're essentially wanting to do the equivalent of putting your hand over someone's mouth, but mm. you're doing it with your, with your neck. Right. And, you know, just essentially smothering someone and the, that creates opportunities. And even if it doesn't force them to make a mistake or make a movement it uh, it makes them uncomfortable. And this is a concept that goes, in jujitsu as a whole, I was talking to Andres, who we had on the podcast recently, who's a, a brown belt, and we were just talking about positions and concepts and principles and things like that. And he was saying how he always thinks about, you know, oh, three points of control and whatever. And I said, well, I don't know if it's as simple as that, just like three points of control. It's it's always an exchange of of energy and you know who's winning that exchange and it's also a game of like whack-a-mole right so mm. because you can't control it's not like if put it this way when when you see uh, someone teaching something or an instructional 
the, where they say like, you know, if you're controlling like this and this, right, and then they, they can't do anything or they'll say something along those lines, you know. It's, that is a, it's a slight exaggeration, right? Because when you say like, you know, you do get this, you get this control and then they're screwed, right? They can't, they can't do anything. At the same time, the person who is, you know, you watch a Gordon Ryan instructional and he says that, it's like, but then how come you're also selling an instructional of how to escape the position when someone is controlling that and that? You know, like nothing. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> nothing works. It's 100%. a gross simplification. <laughs> That's yeah. right. Yeah. Like it's um, it's it's almost if you <laughs> not to get too, super off topic, but it's like it's grammatically acceptable now to use the word you know literally mm. when it not being literal. Yeah. You know, like because we so like colloquially go like, man, that's literally the dumbest thing I've ever seen or whatever. But right? it's literally but, not. <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, but it's grammatically acceptable now, like the way that language has evolved. And it's kind of like that when people say, you grab this and this and they're fucked, like they can't do anything. It's a bit of a, you know, bending of the truth. It's like, yeah. well, they're not, they actually still do have options. Mm. So it's, you know, it's not like you have these three points of control. It's like, it's always a trade-off, right? You can't control a hundred percent of them. Uh, and, so speaking about like smothering, that has, in my opinion, started to become less of an ideal option because what what Mount Escape has become super in into fashion at the moment. Kipping. Kipping escape, right? Mm-hmm. So when you're smothering someone. Perfect to kip. Exactly, right? Like so if, if anyone's not sure what the, the kipping escape is, that's the one where – you know, you see the person frame on the hips and essentially do the silly salmon and wiggle their legs to get their knees back in yeah. inside and then they can go to butterfly guard or leg entanglements or whatever. Uh, and prior to that, there was really only two, one mount escape that legitimately worked. The main the one, escape. an elbow escape, yeah. essentially like for simplification, like a hip escape regarding back into half guard. And then regard there's, the other side. Yeah, yeah, there's bridge and roll, which still can happen, right? Yeah. But it's less technical, like uh, a higher grade opponent or a high skilled opponent, I should say, shouldn't fall for, if you will, a bridge and roll unless yeah, they make a mistake. I mean, of mistake. course, still happens. But of course, yeah. yeah. So, so it was predominantly like an, an elbow escape mm-hmm. um, or a bridge and roll previously. Mm-hmm. And smothering doesn't have a problem with either of those escapes. But a kipping escape where your hips are a little bit lighter. So if you're committing to smothering their head and controlling their head and a cross face, your hips are then a little bit lighter. That's where a kipping escape works. So now you look at 99% of mount escapes and they're an elbow escape or a kipping escape. Mm -hmm. So uh, this is now where like going back to how I was giving the example of, you know, in the nineties they were passing through half guard and then all of a sudden that was the dumbest thing to do. And now it's back. It's sort of like, Okay, well now something that was previously not advised to do, which was to sit on someone's hips in mount and be tall and postured was considered like, well, no, you don't want to do that. You want to be controlling their head, low, smothering them. Mm. Well, now sitting tall is not necessarily the wrong thing to do. Because it prevents the kipping escape. It, yeah, like makes it really difficult to do a kipping escape. Very like, difficult. Incredibly difficult to yeah. do a kipping escape. Um because you're just so heavy over the hips because you're sitting up over the top of them. Yeah. So yeah, concepts have changed, right? In terms of the mount position. Like I said, if you asked me a year or two ago, I pretty much would have flat out said you should never be postured. You'd always be controlling the head, smothering them. Whereas now 
I believe it's it's both like in the sense that, you know, because uh, there's obviously being postured, there can be problems with that too, right? Like, I mean, it, uh, you get rolled easier. You can you get rolled easier, off, the right? The elbow escape becomes more <laughs> The available. elbow escape becomes a little bit easier. Mm. You're also, you know, they're more comfortable because you're not, you know, smothering them, yeah. controlling their head. Yeah. So it's always a, a trade-off. There's pros and cons. Typically the person trying to escape a position is the the moles popping up out of the ground and mm. the person attacking is the ter- is person whack-a-mole. playing whack-a-mole. Yeah. So obviously if you can whack enough moles, you'll sweep. But if they can, if there's, if there's too many moles, they're going to escape. So yeah, neither one is better than the other. I, I don't think it's, um, yeah. Before we go on to attacking, just one more um, concept analogy that I, that I want to give. And people know by now, if if you're new to the this podcast, I, I like to describe a lot of things in analogies. Uh, not only does it work better for me to understand things, but I also just think when you can make a connection for someone that is not associated to the skill that they're trying to learn, it's just, you know, by default makes sense to them. You know, mm-hmm. if I'm trying to you know, let's say you're new to jujitsu, but you used to play golf when you were a kid and there's some movement that you just can't do it. You're just not able to do this sweep or whatever. And then I say, no man, like move your arm the exact same way. If you were, if you were playing golf, the exact same way as if you were, you know, uh, on the, the tee at a golf course, driving a, a golf ball and you'll go, Oh my God. Yeah. It's the exact same movement. And then all of a sudden you're doing it right. You just need some connection that's not related to mm-hmm. the foreign jiu-jitsu movement that you're doing. So um, I often say to my students, which falls on deaf ears in the eastern suburbs of Sydney, that I ask like, oh, who's ever ridden a horse or knows how to ride a horse? Not many people in this in this part of the country. Pocator. All right, yeah, yeah, that's right, Pocator. Um, but yeah, like if for people who have ridden a horse, they would know that you literally have to ride it. Like you can't just sit on a horse. If you just sit on a horse, you get thrown off. Right. And you know, horses have different gates, how they move and you have to ride the horse appropriately for the type of gate that they're, that they're currently in. Mm. And, you know, sitting on Mount is, is kind of similar. You know, if, if you just kind of sit there, a bridge will send you flying. Mm. Like you literally have to ride their movements the same way as if, uh, 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 bull rider in a rodeo rides a bull or even how you see those people riding those mechanical bulls. You see the people who just sit on it, they get flung off instantly. But the people who move with it, I mean, and it's no exaggeration. It's no different when you're trying to control someone like from Mount or something like that. So they're my concepts for Mount. I hope that sort of makes sense. When we talk about um, attacking though from Mount, this can be, the it can be difficult for for a lot of people, but I think the main question I get regarding attacking from mount is when when students are like, man, I just they're just sitting there like with their arms in, like their elbows in, tucked in, like mm. not doing anything, mm. but like I can't open them up at all. And when it comes to that. I think that's the most common question I always get when it comes to attacking from mount. And there's two ways that I deal with that. I'm sure obviously there's 
multiple ways to deal with it, but there's two main ones I deal with it. The first is kind of back to the concept of if I can smother them and make them uncomfortable, it typically forces movements and reactions. Of course, that is not now as simple as just saying smother them because what if they're good at keeping escape? So mm. we have other factors now to, to consider. But just the essential overall concept of, well, if you can make someone uncomfortable, they're more likely to, you know, to make a mistake or something. And especially when it does come to lack of oxygen, when you're eight minutes deep into a 10-minute match or something and someone's smothering you from mount, like you, you'll almost sometimes want to tap just from lack of oxygen. The, the geese or getting in your way or the rash guard or whatever, and there's just not enough there's not enough air for you, mm. right? So people then will start as tight as their elbows and hands are. Maybe then they start trying to turn to their side or bridging or whatever, and then that's going to open up the opportunities for you to get your hips in, up under like the elbow and shoulder, start creating an angle for an armbar or whatever you want to do. So uh, when people are tucked in, buried down, I predominant the first thing I usually try to do is if I can very easily just make them uncomfortable, I go for that because it's the most energy efficient option for me mm. and it's the most taxing for them. So if I can simply make them uncomfortable and they, you know, move, that creates opportunity. Obviously, everyone's different. Some people are, some people like are incredibly tough, right? And you know, it doesn't matter what you do, it's not going to make them uncomfortable. So they give a fuck. Yeah. So it doesn't always work. The, the next one is a bit unfortunate to come up right now because I, <laughs> it's not like I'm someone who like has secrets in jujitsu and doesn't share, you know, techniques that I do or use. I definitely don't, as an instructor, have that style of teaching where I just teach um, my game of jujitsu. I definitely, that's actually why when I'm usually teaching one of my favorite techniques that I use all the time, I'll actually say to students, oh, this is like a technique that I always do. I absolutely love this technique, blah, blah, blah. But usually I teach a broad range of techniques because I want to give the most tools to the students to develop what they want to do. However, this technique, I do this to you all the time all the bloody time. <laughs> um, Go on. <laughs> and which is, well, it's actually going to be quite hard to uh, explain. Actually, now I'm going to have, yeah, okay. I'll tell you what I do to Because Kieran is someone who you guys would have seen, you know, just seen on YouTube or, you know, Instagram or whatever. Super built, stocky, like strong dude, right? Kieran is like the guy who will just like, Elbow, el yeah. elbows in from mount and can be very hard to, if you don't know how to create an opportunity because he's also someone who will just, you know, I could put a Bessa block on his face and he'll be like, no, I'm good. Like I'm not turning to my side. <laughs> Fuck you. Right. Put gaffer tape over his mouth and block one nostril and he'll be like, I'm still sweet. Like he's not, <laughs> he's not going to turn to his side or open his elbows or anything. But I'll talk you through this. Okay. So let's imagine I get you to cross your arms. Like imagine you're, yep, you're, right. you're tucked in like, yeah, yep. typically what you would do. So it's for the thumbnail, by the way. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. So uh, if you're not watching on YouTube, right, I'll talk you through it. Kieran's just got his arms crossed on his chest, like how someone would often be if they're just trying to be like, nah, mm -hmm. man, like mm -hmm. you can't tap me or whatever. So, one option, which if it works is great, but is, can be very hard to do, is for me to just get my, my bicep elbow under your elbow and walk it up. 
to open it out, which sometimes works, right? And then, and then I look to loop my head in to get inside position under mm-hmm. your forearm. So then that arm's out and isolated, right? And then, because you know, that's what we're talking about, getting essentially up under one elbow uh, so I can start looking for attacks. I mean, yeah, there are other options like Ezekiel's and stuff, but mm-hmm. let's just ignore that for a second. If you can get up under one elbow, mm-hmm. that opens up a huge amount of mountain attacks, okay? So that's that's great when it works, but it doesn't always work, right? You would know you would have had times where people have tried it to you and it has and hasn't worked, and you would have times when you've tried it on other people and it has and hasn't worked, right? Um, who's stronger in the exchange? Who's more fatigued, right? Like, is it gi? Is it no gi? Whatever. But I'll tell you one that works a lot, unfortunately. Okay. <laughs> this is all, like, Kieran is getting to the point where, uh, I remember I said to Joey, Years ago, when he was a brown belt, uh, Joey from Jungle Brothers, who's uh, my first black belt, and I said to Joey, I said, man, the biggest compliment I can give you is that I regret everything I teach you. <laughs> and unfortunately, Kieran's kind of coming along that way-ish as well. Send it. Right? I'm writing this shit down. I'm going to rewatch this. <laughs> so so um, what what you'll do, right, Yeah, is – is I'm gonna <laughs> like so don't I'm, I'm looking at you like a hawk, man. Yeah. I'm like, okay, yes. So what I'm gonna do is grab one of your your wrists, predominantly the one that's on top, right? Okay. And because this this hand's tucked in here. Yeah. Okay. Now I'm gonna try to push your hand down. Yeah. Like this. But what you're gonna do is you're not you don't you're not gonna want that tricep extension to happen because you're like I don't want my hand shoved down there. God no. Right. So what happens when you resist that tricep extension and I push this down, what rotates? Your shoulder. And then once there's a little pocket here, then you punch my hand in here, right? And then now I'm all the way in and then now I can walk that up. You son of a bitch. So, right, so because I'm resisting, my shoulder opens. Your shoulder, your arm, yeah, shoulder or armpit Because opens. I'm blocking my elbow. That's right. Because you're pushing down. And you don't want the tricep extension to happen. So I'm pushing back up, but all that's doing is transferring the rotational force from my elbow to my shoulder. Shoulder, which opens, opens your out armpit, my shoulder. And then now I have an underhook. Oh, you motherfucker. So now instead of having to just scoop your elbow and try walk it up, now I've got a full underhook okay. and then I can walk my hand how up do we, and open How do up. I stop it? <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> that's, um, I do that to you every time I have mount on you. <laughs> Absolutely. Every and time. how do we stop that? <laughs> um, Can't tell half a story, man. That's for the listeners, not for me. Yeah, I think when we get to defending, we're going to have audio difficulties. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think at, attacking as a whole, right? That's the most. Uh, the most common question. What, what do I do when people like, mm. I can't create the submission because the dude's just tucked in and they're not bridging. They're not, they're not doing anything. Like how do I, how do I submit them? Well, like I said, I predominantly personally do those two things. If I can force discomfort and that forces a reaction, that's the easiest and most energy efficient way for me because it costs less energy for me and it mm. taxes them more. Um, uh, or then Predominantly, I'm personally looking for getting up under one of the elbows yep. or armpits. Yeah. And then it depends what you want to do. Like so I there's said, so there's many ways to get under the armpit. You just gave two really good ones. 
And you also mentioned that like in the gear, there's other options. You can, everyone, well, not everyone, but lots of people use the lapel. That's they grab right, one of yeah. their lapels, chuck it under, or sorry, their lapel, chuck it under, pass it over, try use that to yeah. walk it up. Yeah, you got way more to worry about <clears throat> in the gi. Mm. Like it's particularly a position like a mount, you know, like no gi as a whole, you've got all leg entanglements and heel hooks mm-hmm. and shit mm-hmm. to worry about. But, you know, if you're talking about the mount position, it's not a you have way more to worry about in the gi, you know, all the lapel grips and collar chokes. And even then, you know, the fact that in the gi someone can get a grip and you think you're sweet, but then they step off to knee on belly and all of a sudden you're in a <clears throat> baseball bat choke or yeah. whatever, right? Uh, so, yeah, there's – when someone's hunkered down, in the gi there's way more options. There's – Okay, no gi Ezekiels are a thing, but they're not as strong as a gi Ezekiel. Yeah. So, you know, if someone's hunkered down and they're not defending their neck or whatever, you, you know, but it's, it's all a, an energy exchange. If someone's arms are really low, then do attack an Ezekiel and they're going to be forced to lift their hands closer to their neck, which then means you can get under their elbows. Yeah. But predominantly I like to get under one elbow and then depends what I want to do, right? Like – is, you know, if it's in the gear, like I said, I prefer all my sort of lapel chokes and setups I do. But if it's no gear, arm bars, I like mounted triangles. Arm I li- triangle. <laughs> yeah, your arm triangles. I like even, you know, just setting up umnaplatas from mount or monoplatas, you know, a mounted umnaplata. Mm. So, you know, um, often I'll use getting up under one elbow to set all those sort of things up. But, yeah, that would be my – quick summary on attacking you know if i can force discomfort and then get an underhook up under one elbow that's where all your attacking opportunities are going to come from if you don't get under a single elbow well then you're you're kind of limited to just ezekiel's really Mm. i think i was i i went through a phase where whenever someone was hunkering down i would always try and use that to go for a mounted triangle because sometimes it's easier to throw your yeah, but you still, need, you still need one elbow. Like. And that's exactly what I found because if I do uh, throw over the the mounted um, triangle when they have both hands up against their neck. You just throw yourself into double under. They bridge exactly. roll, come up on top with double under. I'd unders. always lose the yeah. position because the hands are there ready to push away your legs and it, it's just yeah. ineffective. It doesn't really work. Yeah, be, mounting someone but them having both their arms under your legs is mm. shit position for you to be in. Yeah. Like you don't want to be there. You, yeah. yeah. So you still need one elbow up on your – like quad under your armpit. Or yeah, whatever. exactly. So mm. I've abandoned doing that. Yeah. So I don't recommend doing that. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> ill-advised. <laughs> um, so defending, right? All right. How do I stop that bullshit? <laughs> <laughs> well, um, it's funny. I haven't really actually put a lot of thought into it as a technique because it's only something I've recently, um, you know, figured out doing like it's something that I've just – you know, troubleshot by myself to uh, and found a solution. I'm sure there's a million other people who who do it. Mm. However, they don't have an instructional on it yet. So I'll call or a it, podcast. It, yeah. So I'll, <laughs> I'll call it the fuck Kieran move <laughs> and make an uh, instructional on it. Yeah, my fiance would love that one. <laughs> yeah. Um. <laughs> it's an 18 inch black dildo. <laughs> um, Jesus. Yeah. So I don't know. Like, I think. Like instantly, I think a, a very easy solution for you would be, you know, knowing the mechanics of now what I'm trying to do and you might just like be more willing to let the tricep extension happen. Yeah, I was, I was going right? to ask you about that. What's the what's the real risk of letting you push my wrist down? Because you're, you're pushing one defender away from my neck. 
Um, you still can't get under the elbow, but I'm just thinking in mount, if you had one isolated down, yeah, I'm just trying to think what you could do. Well, more, like It would open up my neck a little bit more though. Yeah, I mean, I think more the problem you're going to have is just the more that the more that I can take the tricep out of the equation, mm. right? Uh, or the let's just say the tricep and bicep, you know, out of the equation, the the more load or the more muscle required for you to stop the movement that I'm trying to do it then become your shoulder, and the shoulder is not a particularly strong joint, mm. right? I mean, like it's a, the shoulder does amazing things. Like people lift huge amounts of weight with like shoulder press and Viking press and, and things like that. But in terms of, you know, if you look at like external and internal rotation, like it's very small mm. muscles that do that. And they're not massive. Even the biggest bodybuilders in the world, you ask them to do these, like, and it's not like they're doing those with external rotation with yeah. like, you know, crazy weight, 50 kilos, like yeah. men, like that's a, that's a, uh, people do that with just those paper thin resistance bands, yeah. right? Yeah. So if you if you think, let's say you let me extend that further down, like mm. let's say you're like, nah, because I know that he's he's wanting my shoulder to open up to create this this pocket in the armpit to get an underhook. Yeah. So you let the tricep extension happen. Well, once once the tricep extension has completely happened. Right, so let's say I've pretty much straightened your arm because you've let the tricep extension happen yep. to avoid the 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 shoulder rotation happening, and now your hands like down almost like you know near my thigh or whatever, mm. and I still haven't been able to get up under the other arm. Right? If if during this you know that your other side became compromised that I could slide my quad up under your 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 elbow and armpit, well then I'm sweet. Then I can attack the other side, right? Yep. But let's say that hasn't happened. Once that's straightened, how do you now how do you now stop me from like continuing to push it out? Like once the tricep extension has reached its max, well now what's stop like now it has to be the shoulder. Yeah. You know? So think about the same way that when you try to uh, you know, if you have side control and you try to take someone's arm off onto the mat to 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 go for a Kimura or mm -hmm. something, right? If their arm's straight, it makes it harder to do a Kimura. Well, like can't really do a kimura if their arm's dead straight, but it makes it re really easy to just like push their arm out and take it to the mat because mm -hmm. it's just the like that is not a strong position for a, a shoulder joint. Whereas I'm essentially doing a, a one armed like press, yeah, ch chest press, right? Which is yeah. a way stronger muscle. Mm -hmm. So, like, I think it's you know, I don't want to say, yeah, there's not like, uh, oh, you can't do anything about it. But I mean, that would be the risk of, to answer your question, what what am I going to do if I decide to let the tricep lengthen? Well, then you're going to worry about them like pushing that arm out onto the mat and then maybe they step off and attack a Kimura or then they've created space between your your arm and your lat, essentially your armpit. They can mm. punch that underhook. But I mean, this, this is a, a big journey from A to Z. Like that is a, a lot can happen in that. Right, I think more realistically, it's going to become. What should you do about to defend that position? I think you should, you know, like pop another mole out of the ground. So then I have to whack that. Yep. So instead of if you just try to like hunker down, which is what you have been doing, and that shoulders opening, getting the armpit, 
right? Whereas I think more realistically, in the time it takes me to let that arm fully extend- I'm going to be doing something else. Exactly. You're going to be turning to your side. Now I have to worry about the elbow escape. You know, like- Yeah, I I think think the position is more going to evolve than just like, is there some magical, I do this- No, yeah. And they can't do that. Probably not. I think being aware of it now, I'll I'll be able to- Make a big difference. Yeah, yeah. because I'll be able to respect it more. Because obviously being unaware of it, I'm just resist against it and I'm giving you exactly what yeah, you want now yeah, that I know no, not to do that. You're kind can, of going through that. How does they keep getting that and you yeah. don't realize like the, not necessarily the mistake that's being made because it's not a mistake. You just like, you know, you don't realize how does this keep happening mm-hmm. until someone says, oh man, because you mechanics. always let them get that pant grip. Yeah. Oh my God. So it doesn't work with, oh God. Yeah. And okay. then you focus your attention yeah, on yeah. not letting them. Now I'm going to focus my attention on either not letting you get my wrist or, or, or obviously just not letting you open yeah. up my shoulder and presenting more um, more moles, as you put it. Yeah, the that's right. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Because I think what we're doing is looking at that position in isolation. But well, what I was doing is looking at that. Oh, how do I stop that one thing? Well, you do something else. You, That's you right. Yeah. Because I think, you know, like if we really isolate that, how do we stop that one thing? Mm. We like mechanically, like I'm using bigger, stronger muscles than you have mm. for that one very isolated movement. Yeah. So unless you're way bigger and stronger, like you, you can't, you can't, you can't stop, stop that, you know? Yep. And when we talk about things working and not working, like the assumption is there's weight divisions in mm-hmm. jiu-jitsu, right? So it's the reason why a two-on-one works, mm-hmm. right? Does a two-on-one war- work against, you know, fucking Eddie Hall? <laughs> Probably not, right? <laughs> but I mean, like what you're talking about, does it work on, you know, when we say, oh, because your two arms are stronger than your one, the assumption is that you're both around the same weight and strength, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, so that one isolated movement, you shouldn't be able to stop it, right? Mm. Because there's no way your rotate your shoulder rotation is stronger than and your press than my press, yeah, right? Hundred percent. Okay, that makes uh, sense. But yeah, so anyway, continuing defending, and this will be a, a recurring theme with all the positions, and um, and I, which is the you know the the concept of of looking at what is controlled or rather what isn't controlled and using that to free what's trapped. Okay. So I I talk about this a lot with my students and side control is usually the best example, but I mean, that's next episode. We'll leave that. But, you know, so if someone is, let's go back to what we spoke about the intro and the concepts, right? Uh, Why? I don't know if this is necessarily the reason keeping escapes became a thing, but, you know, if you look at, well, what's more free when someone is controlling your head and smothering you and keeping your shoulders pinned to the mat so you can't get to your side and do an elbow escape, what is less controlled? Well, your hips, they have less control of your hips. They still have some control, but compared to your head and shoulders, way less. So instead of trying to free my shoulders, right, I can use my hip mobility to, well, I am going to free my shoulders by using my hip mobility. That keeping escape is going to, you know, Typically they then let go of your head and whatever. So I'm using my hip mobility. So the same is true if they're sitting up tall and postured on you, like a kipping escapes near to impossible because your hips are so pinned, but your shoulders are really free. It's more difficult for them to stop you turning on your side, right? And then doing an elbow escape. So you're always wanting to leverage the more mobile 
part of your body that you have to help rescue what is trapped. You know, it's a big mistake that, in, in my opinion, that beginners make. They just go, my arm's trapped. I got to use my trapped arm to free my trapped arm. And it's like, no, <laughs> like, it's use, trapped, the, bro. <laughs> yeah, use the rest of your body to rescue it. Yeah. Right. Like that should be, you know, yeah, of course you're still trying to pull out that trapped arm at the same time, but like, you know, use whatever else you got, you know, if they suddenly let go of that trapped arm, you can just yank it out or whatever, you know? Uh, but yeah, so that's an important concept for all defending escaping bad positions. Uh, mount as a whole, I think the the elbow escape is still a really a dominant escape from mount. And, but it's, you're definitely walking a fine line. So the more you expose your back to do an elbow escape, the easier an elbow escape is. However, the more you expose your back to do the elbow escape, the obvious is true. The, the higher the chance is that they can take your back. So you're definitely walking a tight rope, you know, when you're doing an elbow escape of, uh, of, of trying to, to risk getting your back taken, but you know, you kind of need to take that risk and, and that all, all, all defensive positions inherently you have to take a risk. And the, so they're all difficult. It's that's difficult right. to escape a, a bad position. It's never going to be easy. It's never going to be easy. Right. And you know, the, the worse the position, the more risks involved, you know, like, yeah, sometimes, sometimes when you're, Sometimes when you're trying to escape a position, it's literally like the equivalent of when you're gambling or something and you say, okay, double or nothing, Yeah, you know, and sometimes it pays off and you, you know, you just aged 50 years from the amount of stress that you went through to place that bet, but it paid off. So now you're back to nothing. Right. But then sometimes double or nothing. And then all of a sudden you're paying double, you know, it's gotten twice as bad or you're Mm -hmm. tapping or something. So, Right, that's that's Dems to breaks, right? That's how it goes sometimes. But yeah, there's definitely you, traditionally looking at mount. Yeah, you you definitely don't want them up over your up under your elbows and mm-hmm. armpits. Like you don't want to let someone get to high mount. Okay, like we can talk about. Oh, but didn't we just say that people will sit? on your hips, tall and postured to negate a kipping escape. Yeah. I mean, good luck kipping with your arms above your head. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. I mean, there's no, there's no uh, golden goose or whatever. Like yeah. everything has its pros and cons, but I'll definitely take someone sitting heavy over my hips than someone having high mount on me up under my elbows. Like and Gordon Ryan versus Jacob couch. Man. Smile like, the tap. Yeah. Like intense. F- fuck that shit. Yeah. Okay. So, but then, yeah, you're walking that line that typically, traditionally, it's well, your elbows stay in, so you want it. So if they try to walk their their knees and quads up, their quads hit into your elbows, so they yeah. can't. But then, unless you uh, some weird orangutan, you can't do that. But also have your hands close enough to your neck, right? Like with your elbows down, you won't be able to reach your neck, right? Yeah. Like if you're like this with your with the back of your hands on your carotid arteries, people mm. will get under your elbows and armpits. Yeah, right. Because they're more accessible. That's right. Mm. So you typically have to be down like this. Then which your neck's means, available. So but, then you come up and yes. then you go down and then you come up. Yeah. Yeah. So that's kind of like, you know. That's what you do to me all the time is it's like. The, it's the whack-a-mole, it's right? It's the whack-a-mole, yeah. 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 Um, well, like if I go for a kipping, then you attack my neck and then I get choked. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I would, um, I would say one of the, if I could just give you one 
tangible goal or tangible bit of advice for even though I know it's – I wonder if tangible is actually a word that you can use like you use. Yeah, tangible literally. like you can hold it like this. Yeah, I know, but people you, but people use it like – because obviously what I'm giving you is not tangible, right? Like, I mean, so, <laughs> actionable. Yeah, actionable. Uh, oh, anyway, if I could just give you one thing to say, like I don't care what it costs you, just do this. Okay. And I have this similar advice for people who are struggling with side control escapes is I just say, man – or like just get the fuck off your back. Like I don't care, like get to your side, get off your back. And I know it's different. I'm about to make a comparison to wrestling. I know it's different in wrestling because they don't have to worry about submissions. But think about wrestlers. Why are wrestlers so hard to hold down? Because their whole sport is based on you lose if your shoulders get pinned to the mat, right? So they will do anything like that's essentially the submission for them. Mm -hmm. So think how hard you fight when you're, you know, if you're in a competition, right? Not necessarily in training, obviously, because submissions, uh, you know, injuries, whatever, Mm -hmm. but think like how hard you fight. Like the tapping is you tried every single option and resource. It is the last thing that you wanted to have happen because you've lost the match. So wrestlers have that built in when it comes to their shoulders hitting the mat. You know, so that's why it's so hard to hold a wrestler down or to pin them in the first place. So I often say that to people like if if I said, I mean, it's a learning process. Whenever you implement something new, it's always a step back, like one step back, two steps forward. Mm-hmm. But, you know, so if I just said to you, man, focus on nothing other than not having your, I don't care if you end up bellying out, nothing, uh, your shoulders can't be on the mat there'll probably be a period of time where you're incredibly hard to keep in mount and incredibly hard to keep pinned inside control, but you're always giving your back or giving your neck or getting arm barred or whatever. But then what's going to get built on top of that ability for you not to have your shoulders on the mat is like you not getting submitted and you starting to like build escapes from that. Because if you can't even, I don't want to say if you can't even, but it is much more difficult to escape mount or side control or something if you can't even get your shoulders off the mat in the first place. Mm. Like, yes, there are other, like, I mean, okay, your shoulders don't really come off the mat for a kipping escape and whatever. There's always, you know, or if you reverse someone from side control, whatever. But you know what I mean? Like Mm. you take a wrestler who has this inherent ability to not have their shoulders pinned on the mat and then they learn some jujitsu and learn how to connect like – you know, a regard from that or a invert to that yeah. or, or a, you know, going to the saddle from that or whatever it is, man, right? So, uh, and I, so I think that's the same for Mount. I predominantly, for me personally, the, f- the first thing I do, obviously defending a submission is always the first thing you have to do, right? There's no, got my shoulders off the map, but got subbed or whatever. Like if someone's like, tightening up a cross collar choke or something. I have to deal with that. But I essentially, if I'm mounted, I straight away am trying to get to my side, like straight away, straight away, mm. you know, because it's also a, I'm terrible at keeping escapes, but you know, and I prefer Your legs el- are too long. Yeah, I prefer, <laughs> they are very long. Uh, I prefer elbow escapes, but you know what I mean? Like if I'm, if I'm just get to my side, 
But then, yeah, I'm walking that line. Are they going to transition to tactical mount? They're going to try bow and arrow or do a chair sit, take my back, whatever. There's multiple things. But, you know, if I'm not prepared to deal with those, probably shouldn't have gotten mounted in the first place. Yeah. When you were just saying like, you know, I was drawing parallels between that and when I was learning um, the over-under and the stack passing. Obviously, for for anyone that's gone through that journey, you'll know that you're going to get triangled a lot. And uh, Chad, a white belt at our gym, he's starting to learn that system as well. And he's like, man, I get triangled every time now. And I just remember talking him through it and thinking back to when I was going through it. But nowadays, I've because I've been in so many fucking triangles, I, I can see them coming a mile away because I'm yeah. hyper vigilant yeah. and the the reaction to avoid them is automatic now. I know, okay, I'm at risk of triangle here, now I'm not. And the change could be like a very small, slight change. And it's the same with your with your system of, of, of escaping mount or avoiding mount is avoiding your shoulders being on the mat. And if you do it consistently enough, you'll learn and automatically be able to respond to the the risk of back takes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's a learning process, right? Mm. You know, the same that you had with over-unders. Mm. It's when you first start trying to implement, you know, shooting singles and doubles or, you know, Guillotines or yeah, yeah. or coming up from, you know, or playing sit-up guard or mm. coming up yeah. from half guard with an underhook or whatever, yeah. like – to wrestle up. I mean, you're going to get guillotined over and over and over again. Mm. If you, especially if you don't come from like a wrestling background, you, you Mm. know, wrestlers can quite quickly adopt head position, you know, not too hard for them to learn. Don't put your head here, put it here. And, you know, but you know what I mean? Like you're going to go through that, that learning process. But if you get off your back, you're already, you know, in air quotes, halfway there. Yeah. In my opinion. <laughs> Technically you are. Yeah, yeah, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> Quite literally. Uh resources. Any this is a sort of like a ambiguous topic, but uh for someone that wants to, you know, develop their 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 mount attacking or defending, do you do you know of any resources? Uh like in terms of particular instructionals and stuff. Instructionals, um, maybe. I don't really know, but I mean, my opinion of the two best guys to look at yep. for their insane mount control is yeah, is Hodger Gracie Hodger. and Gordon Ryan. Yeah. Just look but, at, and if you want a prime example of Hodger's ability to finish someone and control someone in mount, just look at Bushesha Hodger uh, number two, like their their second match. No, but did he, hang he on? He finished him in mount. No, 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 he didn't. He um, am I silly? Yeah, you're silly. So that match. Uh, I thought he did. What am I thinking of? It was quite a while standing up and then Hodger pulled guard and then um, swept him, which resulted in him taking his back. I thought he finished, finished him in that one. I'm, I'm imagining a. It's a not hard to out. confuse with any other of Hodge's matches because <laughs> <Yeah>. 99% <laughs> of his matches, he well, mounts people. Well, and I got egg on my face. That's embarrassing. I yeah. thought that was that. I got to, but I have it's to still a great, it. I have to rewatch it. Great match to watch anyway. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, you just watch Hodger like, and I'm sure Hodger has, I believe he's got Hodger Gracie TV is mm. one of his platforms. I mean, Hodger would have insane details yeah. on mount control and submitting people from mount. And of but course, yeah, Gordon, so Ryan, Gordon Ryan. Yeah, Gordon yeah. Ryan. I mean, you could even actually, you know, uh, just go, okay, if it's gi related, look at Hodge's mount. Yep. If it's no gi related, look at Gordon's well, mount. You could always go. I know that uh, John Danaher has a top pins um, instructional that's like 50 hours long, but it, <laughs> apparently I've, I haven't seen, I've only seen bits and pieces of it, um, but it's it's pretty comprehensive from what I heard. Yeah. Uh, it covers mount obviously in a series of pins. Yeah. But there, I mean, look, there's, there's 
plenty of good athletes out there, but they would be my top two, hundred percent. As you know, we're, we're talking about Mount, right? Yeah. Those two guys have the best Mount control, I reckon. Mm. Yeah, uh, that, that. Yeah, cool. All right. Conclusion. Con- closing thoughts. Conclusion thoughts. Conclusioning thoughts. <laughs> um, yeah, closing thoughts. I don't really have any. I feel like I spoke a lot. In this episode. <laughs> um, so I think I gave most of my thoughts. I mean. Look, you guys have seen John Denner instructionals. We could, we could, you could, if you wanted to, spend two hours just talking about, you know, one thing, the like, armpit from Mount. Yeah, like talking a, about the anatomy of the armpit, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the history so, of the armpit. <laughs> so I mean, yeah, tried to fit as much useful information into mm-hmm. fifty minutes as possible. Yeah, but um, do you have any closing? Yeah, thoughts I do. Too? I think that if you. Just don't end up in Mount, you'll be fine. Yeah. So just don't get there. Yeah. It's like when- whether top or bottom, don't be there. Yeah. How do yeah. I stop getting armbar? Just don't get it. Get, don't, just don't get armbar. How you do I stop standard. sucking at submitting people for Mount? Just stop mounting them, bro. Yeah, just stop mounting, bro. Yeah. Just take that back and said, What are you yeah. doing? Yeah. yeah, silly advice, but Yeah. But um, I mean, <laughs> the going back to how I said at the start, like Hodger was on the Lex Friedman podcast. Um they were for those who feel like they suck at Mount. And maybe that's why you're listening to this episode. Hodger is a big advocate for for training your weaknesses. Mm. And he said a lot of people don't do that. You know, a lot of people just lean into their strengths Mm -hmm. and they just get absurdly good, like crazy good at their strengths, which is one way to go about it, right? But um, Hodger was saying that, he essentially said to paraphrase, you know, that can make you good and tough and, you know, maybe a world champion, but it won't make you great, you know. And you look at like Hodge is one of the greats. Gordon is, I mean, the only reason Hodger didn't call Gordon one of the greats is because he was like, well, because he's not retired yet. Like, I mean, he is one, he could yeah, retire, okay. he could yeah. retire today and, and he'd be, be called the great. He, yeah. yeah. But, you know, he was yeah. like, well, he's not retired yet. Like, don't give him a title while he's mid career, so yeah. to speak. No, I, I, I like that. I like um, that approach. But yeah, I mean, obviously, Hodge is one of the greats. Gordon's one of the greats. Mm. And Lex asked him, you know, what do you think it is that makes Gordon so great? And he essentially said, you know, because he's got the, no weaknesses. Yeah, yeah. That's the dude just trains his weaknesses. Like, he's, yeah. he's good everywhere. Mm-hmm. You know, so you might be thinking I suck at Mount, but okay, well, or maybe you're maybe sitting there being like, fuck you, I don't want to be great. I just want to be good. <laughs> and that's all right. That's well, all don't right. worry about it. That's all, yeah, that's all right too. Just focus on heel hooks. Yeah. <laughs> that's my advice. Um, yeah, so that's my closing thoughts. Um, that's it, bro. I have nothing else. Next, awesome. next episode is the, will it be the last, hang on, let me check calendar dates. It won't be the last one of the year, no, but it's the, the last one before Christmas. Yes. So next week is will be the last episode before Christmas. Then mm-hmm. we'll have the New Year's episode mm-hmm. as well. And then before you know it, bada bing, bada boom, we're into 2023. Yeah. Let's go, boys. Yes. And if you want to support the Beyond Jiu-Jitsu podcast into the new year, you can do so <laughs> at our Patreon. Link in the description wherever you're listening to this episode. So check it out. We post some cool stuff on Patreon, or if you don't really care about what we post there, just want to support us, you can do that as well. Yeah, whichever. All right. Well, thanks for listening. And until (laughs) the next time, see you later. Later.